1: It is Tuesday. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in. Our text line this hour is going to be 304-396. Talk 304-396-8255. Boy, do we have a lot to get into today. Of course, we're going to hear from Coach Huff in just a few minutes. We're continuing our pre-coverage of Marshall in the Frisco Bowl. We'll have comments from Coach Huff. Also, it was a big win the other night for the Marshall women. They beat Florida. We'll hear from Kim Caldwell a little bit later on the program, her thoughts as You know, it was a good win, but there were things that Coach still saw that she just wasn't happy with. So we'll break that down with you, and we'll get your thoughts as well. But we've got to start with the news of the day today. uh, Social media the first place, uh, this being announced from the Thundering Herd, that Marshall has hired the worst-kept secret in Herd football this week, former Texas Tech quarterback and Purdue tight end coach Seth Dagey. He has been hired as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for the Marshall Thundering Herd. Now, this came out yesterday from several sources. Brett McMurphy had it. Football Scoop had it. Marshall usually doesn't send press releases out uh, hiring individual coaches, and they send everything out, you know, at once. You know, that's sort of been the the way it's handled in the past. So we'll get more details on this. You know, as, yeah, as we get the, through the season here, but yeah, it is official. You know, Marshall, through its social media channels and Herdzone.com, confirming that Seth Deji has been hired as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. And other news, NCAA president Charlie Baker basically calling for what could be described as a new tier of Division One, where schools can pay athletes. This was a letter that was sent out to pretty much the entirety of Division I. And Baker said that he wants the association to create a new tier of Division I sports where schools were—and here's the kicker. so This is going to omit a lot of schools. It's going to leave out a lot of schools, and that's the point. Schools would be required to offer at least half of their athletes a payment of at least— $30,000 per year through a trust fund. Now, if you're the kicker, $30,000. If you're the quarterback, well, the school might say, hey, you, know, you get a little bit more. You're the star running back, you know, you might get a little bit more. And so this allows any school that can do it to do it. This isn't limited to anyone. You know Marshall University could manage the funds. At least $30,000 per year per student athlete. Marshall's in. Thundering Herd fans, start saving your pennies now for those donations. Now, there's also more in this proposal. And again, this is just a proposal. But Baker is proposing allowing all Division I schools to offer unlimited educational benefits and enter into name, image, and likeness licensing deals with athletes. And so schools can have a little bit more direction when it comes to this stuff now. And that was the thing name, image, and likeness, it's completely the wild, wild west still. And it all comes down to the fact that there is a gap. No closing the gap here. There's a gap between schools that have the majority of the money and vast, vast ocean of schools that just don't have the money to compete. And so we're going to hear more about this. Uh, Baker is scheduled, he's going to speak tomorrow at the Sports Business Journal's Intercollegiate Athletic Forum. That's going to be in Las Vegas. I want to hear more about this before I can really sink my teeth into it and and really say that's bad or that's brilliant. But he wants to create a new subdivision which will cover all sports. And if you're in a conference, you're in a situation where you're in this this subdivision, you can operate how you see fit. You can do, do it differently. So if you're in this, you can still compete with the rest of Division I, but you're you're in it a little bit different of a, of a stratosphere here. You're elsewhere now. And not all members of the conference will have to be in this. So, for example, say Wake Forest says, look, we can't do this. I mean, we're Wake Forest. This is how we roll now. This is what we do. We can't do that. And so, you know, Wake Forest can still be in the conference. It's just maybe they're not offering their students, this type of, of incentive or they're not participating in this. They can, still be, they can be a power five school and not be in this. I mean, Marshall, if Marshall could pony up this kind of money every year, Marshall could be the only school in this subdivision that's in the Sun Belt. You can still be in the Sun Belt. You don't have to be in the Big Ten. You don't have to be in the Big 12. You don't have to be in the Atlantic Coast Conference. You don't have to be, but you can be in this subdivision. But here's the thing, it's created to give those that have Higher budgets, the opportunity to take advantage of those larger budgets, that windfall of cash, and it maybe helps give a little bit more governance. And again, I really need to go into this deeper. I need to hear more before I can just give you a knee jerk reaction. All oh, this is bad for college, but Baker's right when it says when he says that there's a, a huge disparity in Division One budgets go from anywhere from five million to 250 million annually. And there are 59 schools that are spending over 100 million dollars annually. And then there's another tier that's right below that. There's 32 spending over 50 million. But the majority of division 1 schools spend less than 50 million dollars on their athletic programs. That's a difference. It's not like the NFL. There's not a salary cap here. There's there's it's not like the NHL. We we get, we get a player cap here on salary. Completely different, but it's how you spend it. It's how you use it. It's how you manage it. That's the difference there. In the NFL, everything is supposed to be at least level playing field. It's just how you manage it, how you deal with it. If you can manage your roster and you can manage your payroll and you can manage it, you, you get a shot. Marshall could manage its budget to the very best of its ability and it's not going to be Alabama. It's not going to be anywhere close. And so is this going to be a situation where it's going to allow more governance? I've heard that. Or is this going to be a situation where we're going to see the beginning of the end at least for programs that are not in these high revenue conferences and a lot of this is television money and television isn't necessarily the evil that it's made out to be but this is where a lot of this is coming from the revenue is coming in from television when you're on major networks that are spending obscene amounts of money for content and programming and these universities are reaping those rewards it just helps and of course i mean let's be honest if you're ohio state and you're you have a sellout crowd. Every every home game, you have a sellout crowd. You're bringing in a lot of revenue. If you're Michigan, you're, you're bringing in a lot of revenue because one of your sellout crowds could be the entirety of the attendance year-round for another school. And there's also the incentive to make players a little bit more invested. I don't know if this is going to stem the tide of the transfer portal. I think at the end of the day, name, image, and likeness need some sort of governance because – there are players who are leaving for different opportunities. There are players who are leaving because they think they're going to hit it rich with maybe the name, image, and likeness. And we'll get into that a little bit later with Coach Huff. He talked a, lo- a lot about you know why players are going in and out of the transfer portal, and a lot of it has to do with financials. And I don't know if this would solve that a little bit, but if you're a player, you're on you're on the roster, and you have access to some of this. I mean, it's going to be a lot easier for you maybe stay put. Maybe that's going to help. I don't know. So I'm interested to see where this goes. I would love to not just have that knee-jerk reaction that, okay, this is going to be the beginning of the end. Because really, I think what's happening now is just going to be a refinement of what we're already seeing. Those that have are going to operate differently than those that do not have. And there is no denying that if you're, if you're Ohio State, if you're Michigan, if you're Alabama, if you're Georgia, if you're one of those schools that's in that higher level, that higher echelon, you're going to be operating at a different level. And this also could lead to maybe limiting or maybe the allure of the transfer portal. I think the transfer portal hurts a lot because kids are looking for opportunities. And some are valid, some are not. But each person has their own reason. And I don't know if this maybe limits some of the reasons why you get into the transfer portal or if this is just going to, you know, make it easier for student athletes to stay. If finances are the only reason, like, hey, look, I can't afford to go here. It's costly. We can get into that. That's completely new ground here. That is completely new ground. And, of course... This is also going to be compliant with Title IX. It's going to be at least $30,000 per year into an enhanced educational trust fund for at least half of the institution's eligible student-athletes. You know, This has got to be Title IX compliant. That's that's kind of the gist of it. It's not just a football thing, and men's basketball thing. And they're looking to do this as well. They want to allow this new Division I subdivision to have members be able to create rules which are unique regarding scholarship commitments and roster size recruitment transfers or nil so what the roster sizes change what the scholarship commitments change what their different rules i eventually see this splintering it's it's going to splinter maybe not now maybe not tomorrow it's going to splinter i think that what i've seen from people that are maybe in favor of this from different sources saying, you know, look, this this might actually this might actually help. It might help the rest of college athletics. Let let them go. And college athletics can be what it's meant to be, college athletics, and let them go, because it's almost like a semi-pro anyway. And where's Marshall fit into all of this? That's the thing. Where's Marshall fit into this? You think um, you think fundraising is, is going to be hitting hard now? Wait till this comes into play. And from a operational standpoint, you know, how do the marshals of the world compete in this? Marshall was successful in 1AA. Marshall moved up and for a time was successful in 1A. And I mean successful. I mean, running the Mid-American Conference for a while, going to bowl games, winning. And you know, over time, the playing field has evolved. And Marshall financially is where Marshall's at. And there are going to be some schools caught in this as well. Not everybody is thinking this through just yet. I know we're knee jerk reactions here, but there are going to be some schools that not necessarily can keep up. You think Wake Forest can keep up with Florida State? I go back to Wake Forest. I, I don't. I, I like Wake Forest. I don't know why I use them as my example today, but I like Wake Forest. You think? You think Vanderbilt can keep up? Can Kentucky keep up with Tennessee? Can Tennessee keep up with Georgia? I mean, Georgia and Alabama will be fine. Michigan and Ohio State will be fine. Penn State will be fine. They'll be fine. No worries there. You know, When we get down the line a little bit, is Arkansas going to be fine? Can Arkansas keep up? Can Syracuse keep up? Can Duke, North Carolina keep up? And that's going to be interesting to see who's in and who's not in. 304-396-TALK is our text line, 304-396-8255. Or this can completely just be setting the stage for the great breakaway and eventually it's just going to happen anyway that these power schools are just going to break off and do their own thing. You know, I don't know if this is kind of preemptive as well, because there's a lot of discussion and talk about, okay, student-athletes need to be compensated. Student-athletes need to be compensated because there's a lot of money being made out here. And Congress has been pleaded with from different outlets, different sources, different institutions, maybe you might want to regulate this. Maybe you want to have federal regulations so We're not down to each state having its own deal because, quite honestly, there are a lot of lawmakers that are focusing on things that maybe are not necessarily beneficial to you, but let's make sure that good old state you isn't left behind when it comes to this. 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Let's jump into Marshall basketball and Marshall football when we continue. We'll start off with Marshall women's basketball. Kim Caldwell will get her thoughts on the uh, on the previous week when we continue on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM
0: 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
1: Our text line is 304-396-TALK. That's 304-396-8255. We've been talking about it for a couple of days. It was a mixed bag for Marshall Basketball over the weekend. The men lose to Miami of Ohio, which a lot of her fans are not good with ever. And then the women get a victory over Florida over the weekend. Big win for the Marshall women. Now, can this win translate into more consistency, more success? We're going to find out, of course, over the next few days, next few weeks. But talking to Kim Caldwell this week, the head coach of the Marshall women's basketball team, she seems to have a pretty level head about this coaching thing. I asked her, how do you turn this game into something that's not going to beat you next time? You know, how do you, how do you go from okay, we beat Florida, all right, now we got to go to the next one. We're not going to let the Florida success get to our heads. And they're, they're looking at the film now. But when I talked to her, they hadn't got to that point yet. But Coach was pretty candid when it came to her evaluation of the team. And they just beat Florida.
2: I mean, we haven't watched the film um, because I figured that they had been told how good they were. <laughs> and we're going to watch it tomorrow. And it's it's not all great. Uh, by any means, we we hit shots and we played hard. Uh, but there's still a lot of learning and teaching points to come out of the film. Um, and so we're just going to treat it like any other game.
1: So any other game. I mean, yeah, we're telling them, hey, you know, that's a big win. You beat Florida. That's a big deal. And she's like, yeah, you know, yeah, we got stuff to work on. We got stuff to work on. But with that said, is the program now, it's taken a few games to maybe get this thing going to where she would like it to be or where it needs to be is the program starting to at least show signs maybe turning the corner
2: you know it it, right now it kind of feels like two step forward one step back you know you feel like you're making some progress and then we get punched and we don't respond the way i think we should um and so i think it's just going to be an all season long thing as soon as i take take a breath and think there it is it's not there um and so We're just going to keep our foot on the gas as a coaching staff and just hammer it home no matter what. If we're undefeated or we haven't won a game, um, we're just every single thing that we see that doesn't fit our culture and is not championship level standard, we're going to try to nip it in the butt.
1: So she's taking a proactive approach toward anything and everything that doesn't meet her standard. And that might include sending messages to players. You talk about coaches trying to put the best team out there. You talk about coaches that are are trying to put their team in the best situations. But it's not all on the player. It's not all on the coach. But the coach is in charge. And sometimes players just aren't doing what the coach is asking, and sometimes you might have to get to the point where you might have to send a message.
2: Um, I think just here and there, I don't think I've done a great job consistently. I will take a full accountability. I thought we were going to be good, and and I coached them that way, and I think that that's hurting our team now. And so I think I need to be tighter on them and not just let things slide because I think we have the talent because that's not working for us. And so trying to tighten things back up a little bit, and just
1: making sure doing things I should have done in July. So that's really some strong self actualization going on here. That, you know, I thought we were going to be good. So maybe I need to approach this a little differently. Maybe I need to change what I'm doing because I came in with one mindset thinking that this team was going to be good and I treated them as such and it's not working. So now I'm going to have to put that aside, I'm going to have to treat them differently. What does that look like, is what I wanted to know.
2: We have a a play in practice where the ball is going out of bounds and we don't hustle after it. Uh, We get frustrated with uh, turnover and we don't all come together and high five. We get beat and we don't sprint back and try to get the back tip. You know, just finishing the play, um, really more effort-based things, to me, have cost us a couple games because the way we play, we're going to go for a steal early we don't get it, we don't just get to stop playing. We have to sprint back and we have to sit down and guard or we have to sprint back and try to get a back tip. And there's a lot of scramble situations in our in our games and, and fight, fighting through the scramble situations as opposed to throwing our hands up and wondering who missed the play. It just, it just keep playing. And I've seen a lot of that in our games. And it's 100% because I've let it
1: slide. That's Coach Caldwell. You know, she's not blaming anything on anybody but herself. Like, Look, I let that happen. I let it happen. I let it slide. I shouldn't have done that. I'm not going to do that. That stops. That's a great attitude. Win or lose, I think she has the ability to, to evaluate her situation. I mean, she's won national championship. She was successful. She moves up, and she moves to Marshall. And Marshall, maybe not meeting at least where she thought the program was. I'm not talking about her expectation of what Marshall is. I'm talking about her expectation of what I had, what am I working with here. And so maybe she didn't have the right evaluation. And so now she knows what she has, she sees what's been happening, and she's going to adjust. And I think she's going to be successful with that. That was a great attitude talking to her yesterday. I mean, she comes out and she doesn't blame anything on anybody And she takes charge of that. I mean, Dan yesterday and his presser as well was saying, look, I'm not going to go down on anybody else's account. It's going to be me. I'm going to take more control. I'm going to take charge again. I'm not going to delegate as much as I used to. I'm going to be more hands on. And if I go down, it's because I did it. Me. Not me. I'm not delegating. Now He didn't do it the way I needed him to. It's me. So I think you're seeing some uh, real strong self-actualization going on with the Marshall men's and women's basketball program. I mean, the good news is there's a lot of basketball to be played. Our text line is 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Let's go to the text line before we go to the break. Texture says, could this be intended, we're talking about the possible proposal to create a new tier for Division One. Texture says, could this be intended to lessen the possibility of upsets like Marshall over Notre Dame? Georgia Southern taking out Nebraska, or App State beating Texas A&M, which caused great embarrassment and shame at those big-name schools. I don't know if it's targeted specifically to that, but if you're Notre Dame, you should be able to have the resources to outspend almost anybody. You should have the resources. If you have the resources, that should give you a A leg up. And maybe you're going to see sort of a, I don't know if it's going to be maybe carryover, but if financial situations are an issue, maybe this gives those institutions a little bit more ability now, would love to, Yeah, you know, I don't have enough room for, for everyone I want. Well, maybe there's a, an adjustment of roster sizes now. Okay, well, now I can have more. I think it's really, like, we have money. We should be able to operate a little differently. That means how we run our organization, our structure. We shouldn't be confined. We shouldn't be restricted. We should be able to, and I think also part of this is, again, name, image, and likeness really opened the door because now... You're trying to compete with other institutions if this is a little bit more uniform. Think of it this way. If it's a little bit more uniform, there's a standard. We're not spending stupid money trying to outspend everybody. If there's a little bit more of a baseline here, like, okay, you want to be in this tier? Here's the buy-in. Not everyone's going to be able to do that. And you're going to find that not every Power 5 school is going to maybe buy into this or... Least the If you want to be in this this subdivision, you want to be here, you're going to have to spend minimum 30000 per player. Now, how you spend that is going to be up to you, but it's got to be in this trust. It's got to be taken care of this way. The women's programs, you can't ignore them. This isn't going to be just giving me all this money and I'm going to spend it on football and basketball, and it's going to be great. You're going to have to be able to show that you're Title IX compliant as well, and maybe that means this is going to open up different levels of legislation, self-governing. Look, you want to be at this level? Okay, we're going to be at this level, but this is what our rules are, you know, our roster sizes. And we're still going to be in Division 1. Division 1AA, 1A, 1AA. A 1AA one one a. A school could still go play a 1A. You don't lose to a 1AA if you're a 1A. It's it's going to happen no matter what. But I think what we're going to see is that's going to be sort of the division because you had a lot of schools from one double a jump up into one a and it's like, now I think you're going to see, I don't want to say this is a contraction, but there are a lot more now in FBS than there were. And this could be a little bit of a, we're not going to let the smaller schools hold back the bigger schools. This could be sort of that. All right, there needs to be steps taken to regulate some of this and there also needs to be some division some honest division here because let's let's be honest there's a lot of stupid money out there and these schools are going to take that stupid money and they're going to want to benefit from having the stupid money and their alumni are going to want to benefit from having stupid money they want to have the very best teams i mean you're going to find it it's going to be difficult though for some of these lower-level Power 5 schools to kind of compete. I mean, why is Ohio State and Michigan, Penn State, usually the class of the Big Ten? Why is it almost always Alabama, Georgia, sometimes Tennessee? Why is it almost always those schools? And then you throw in Texas and Oklahoma. Texas is going to be able to spend stupid money. You're going to have you're still going to have a division. You're going to have even more of a division because not everyone's going to be able to buy into this. But this is, I think, a starting point. This isn't how it's going to be, but this is going to be a starting point. I really want to hear more and see how this comes into play, how this helps college athletics, and maybe how this hurts college athletics. Because at the end of the day, I think you're going to have to see eventually – Student athletes are gonna to have to reap more reward. There's gonna to have to be more revenue sharing. There's gonna to have to be. I mean, we're we're kind of getting almost to the point where, you know, let's just be honest with it here. This is this is almost almost pro level organizational structuring here. This is this is not professional sports, but it's not amateur anymore either. We'll hear from Coach Huff. Well, here's some of those issues as well. He talked about that, and this is before this came out. We'll get into that when we continue on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930.
0: This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
1: Our text line is 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Welcome back to today's edition of The Drive here at ESPN 94.1 and AM
3: 930. You remember the... You remember the quote from Coach Huff? Leads that you guys want to write and print. No, I don't. Um, There's a lot of moving pieces that go with it. We have a a great list. I've narrowed it down. I've got, you know, the guys that I need to have in mind. Obviously, um, resources come into play.
1: Resources matter, and that's sort of what we've been talking about a little bit as far as resources mattering because of the transfer portal. Sometimes players are are going into the portal – because of resources. But when we heard from Coach Huff about the transfer portal, he updated us a little bit on the status. First of all, if you're a player and you declare for the the transfer portal, if you're going into the portal You know, you're not going to be playing in the bowl game. So, that was the first thing he set up.
3: Typically, what I do is um, the guys that um, decide to go into the portal, um, we do not let them play in the game because, really, this weekend and this week they should be taking visits and, you know – we call it researching other schools so they can't be on a visit and be at practice. Um, but we still, you know, it, no one that has gone into the portal was was blind. Um, a lot of the guys that have gone into the portal, which I think is really a positive of the portal have been walk-ons who've come in and said, coach, Hey, you know, I want to be here, but financially, it's tough for me and my family to be able to afford, you know, to continue to do this. So I'm I'm looking for an opportunity to go into the portal and maybe there's a, another school out there, lower level, whatever it may be, that has an opportunity for me to get a scholarship. I'm all for that. I was a walk-on. I know the, the financial struggle. Actually, I just paid my final, uh, what is it called, student loan payment. I mean, you feel like a free man. And and, and and so I understand that. You know what I mean? So I understand what it's like to, to have that financial strain. Um, so a lot of the guys that have gone in have been in that situation, which I totally um, uh, support.
1: One of those players that he's had conversations with, it really wasn't a surprise to him
3: was Trent Holler, and he talked a little bit more about why Holler is in the portal. Trent Holler went in, and we had the conversation before the year started. One of his career goals was to play Power 5 football, and that's something that when he grew up, he said, Coach, I don't know if I'm going to play in the NFL. I don't know whatever these may be, but one of my career goals was to play Power 5 football. And he said, hey, if the opportunity presents itself – that's something I may want to look into at the end of the year. He came in, we had about a 30, 40 minute conversation um, about it. Um, I was very open with him. He was very open. Um, and he said, coach, you know, I love it here. And I would regret not doing something that I've had a dream of since I was four or five years old. Gave him a big hug, said, I love you. Had to be a big hug. You seen Holler it's a big boy. So we've seen the number of players in the
1: portal, I don't know what the official account is, but we've seen the player numbers and and there's always going to be a lot of players that get into the portal. None of this, and I qualify this. Some of these players are looking for different playing opportunities or playing opportunities. Some of these players, you know, might've had more opportunity and might've been on the field more, but coach off said that this wasn't a shock. None of this is a shock to him. It's, it's something that, Oh, wow. Look at, look
3: how many people were losing. He knows the situation and, He's not surprised, not shocked by any of it. Nothing has been surprised, no shock, you know, if that makes sense. Um, a lot of it is, you know, kids, it's a financial burden to, to go to school. I mean, you're a walk-on. you got to buy all your food, you got to buy all your meals. I mean, you got to buy all your, you know, the pizza and sodas that you, you drink. you got to pay for every class, uh, labs, everything. Um, and, obviously, their families are helping them. Um, so, I'm, I'm always okay when, when that happens. Um, obviously, it looks Like, oh, man, you got 30 or 40 guys in there. Well, we had a good walk-on program. And some of the walk-ons that we've had, we've been able to put on scholarships. Some of them have kind of, you know, improved enough to be put on scholarship. Um, Some of them are still debating. You know, there's a couple guys that came in and had a conversation and said, hey, coach, you know, if I don't get a scholarship at the end of the spring, this is something I may have to look at. I totally get it. Um, So it goes both ways. Um, But every person that has went in, they've had a conversation with me, um, there's been no surprises, and I tell them I'm not here to talk you in or out of the portal because I think it is, it has value if managed correctly. You know, and if you're going in with a plan, you're going in with a reason. Um, I try to talk the guys through it, um, and I think it's been healthy. I think it's been really healthy for our organization, um, just to have that open dialogue. Um, and I think the kids, when they come in, um, it's a tough decision. They love it here, um, but you know their families are saying, "Hey, this is tough on us." So I get it. I get it.
1: That's Coach Chuff talking about the numbers of players in the portal. We'll take a quick timeout, come back. We'll hear more from Coach Chuff when we continue on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM
0: 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Tuesday, December 5th edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM
1: 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. We'll continue our conversations coming up tomorrow as the Thundering Herd in action. Basketball, take it on Duquesne. I'm going to be over at the Cam Henderson Center tomorrow. Looking forward to that. We might have a guest or two lined up there. And, of course, we'll go on the air with our basketball pregame at 6 o'clock here and on our sister station, 93.7 The Dog. So I'm looking forward to all of that coming up tomorrow. But, unfortunately, we're out of time. Big news today for the Thundering Herd starting to put together as far as the staff is concerned with Seth Deji being announced as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach of Marshall University. So hopefully we can in the future have a chance to speak with him. So that's big news. And of course, the landscape of college football continues to change. And that's going to be a big story for these three foreseeable future and everything else is going on. We've got a busy day tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to it. Don't forget, if you missed any part of today's show, you'd like to go back and listen to it anytime that you can't listen live. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's where you'll find the show. Once again, thanks for tuning in. I'll be with you tomorrow.